Welcome to Joint Effort with Des Moines Orthopedic Surgeons. This podcast covers the pain and injuries that are associated with muscles, ligaments, and joints. Well, welcome. I'm your host, Dr. Jason Sullivan, uh, sports uh, surgeon at uh, DMOS. And today I'm here with Dr. Mark Fox. He's fellowship trained in sports medicine. Also did his residency training at uh, UT Southwestern in physical medicine and rehabilitation. Yep. Thanks correct? for having me, Jason. Yeah, that's correct. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Thank you. You've been with us now for about a year and a half, I think. Yeah. And that year and a half has been filled with your wife is a peds dentist. She started her own clinic. Yep. You had a kid. Yep. And then COVID came and kind of... Uh, Changed that, everything, I yeah, guess. Yeah. I, yeah, for sure. That's got to be difficult starting a new dental clinic with COVID and all the new yeah. precautions that you have to take. And Yeah, a lot of weekend work for my wife. I mean, I think that she's done... Uh, a lot of extra work that we weren't anticipating, but she's uh, just doing well, enjoying it, and it's always nice coming home to a ten and a half month old to kind of change your perspective and get you back to earth. So yeah, they're always smiling, and yeah. it's hard to be in a, you. The dads get like the good moments, you know, yeah, most of them, more yeah. so than the moms. I feel like because they're putting in a little bit more yeah. hard work than we are sometimes. But um, you started right off the bat as a pretty confident guy. I, I got to believe that has a lot to do with your personality, but also your training. You trained at Iowa. Mm-hmm. undergrad and med school. Yep. Um, that doesn't make you very unique here. I've already told people that. we yeah. got a lot of Iowa grads, but it's lucky we do because it's a fin- fantastic institution. I think it sets people up on the right foot yeah. uh, for their career. And then how do you decide to go to Dallas for residency? So that's a great great question. So, yeah, Iowa's great foundation. Uh, anything you want to go into, if you go to, to Iowa Medical School, I think you have the opportunity to do that. Unfortunately, the state of Iowa does not have physical medicine and rehab, so okay. there's, there's not a single residency in Iowa. And so uh, it was an opportunity for, for me and my wife to, to kind of check out another part of the country. Um, as a pediatric dentist for my wife, it's important to have kind of a bigger city to be able to, to, to draw from, from a, a larger population. And so we kind of were targeting some bigger, uh, bigger cities like you know Chicago, Dallas, uh, New York, those sorts of places, just so that she could also kind of continue to do do what she likes to do, and uh, just really fell in love with Dallas. Uh, great, great food scene, great energy there. Um, Are you a Cowboys just, fan now? Because no, of it? No, okay. no, no, no. Right. No, I'm actually uh, still a Minnesota sports fan for pretty much everything, um, but uh, probably the track record of success, right? I mean, they're so. Yeah, I'm it, kidding. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they've had they're, a rough go. They're, they're lovable losers for sure, yeah. um, but they're still fun to watch. And, and there's some, you know, with the Dallas Stars originally coming from right. from Minnesota, it was really hard for me to root for them actually, even though I helped cover with them. So no kidding. Yeah. So how, so PM and R, you know, physical medicine rehab. Like, what what interested you about that residency and, and how you saw it fitting your your career? So I, I think. A story that a lot of, of sports medicine providers kind of talk about is just their experience uh, getting injured in high school, college, so on and so forth. And, and so I always wanted to do uh, kind of the sports medicine side of things. I dabbled with orthopedics, um, but I'm not a weekends and call kind of guy. <laughs> uh, so so that was actually a pretty easy decision. Um, I really like the technology that we're able to use in PM&R and physical medicine and rehab. Uh, ultrasound guided techniques. There's some really fun stuff with orthobiologics, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later here. Uh, and it just was a good fit with kind of who I am and, and what I like to do. Yeah, it's interesting. I think um, you picked a field that 
uh, seemingly is on the cusp of um, being able to cure so many more things than it used to. Um, I don't know if you feel that way as well, but it's almost like uh, you get the best of both worlds. You still get the office visits, but you're getting procedures too all the yeah. time. Yep. Um, and so we kind of want to get into that um, ultimately. And you went on then to go to the Cleveland Clinic mm-hmm. and specialize in sports medicine at that point. Yeah. Tell me about your experience there, uh, some of the teams you got to work with, and how, you know how you incorporated a, a medical team approach to curing people. Yeah, so Cleveland, Cleveland Clinic, Cleveland itself, you know, very different than Dallas, obviously. Um, Dallas, huge city. Uh, the, the institution is one of the biggest residencies in the, in the country as well, so it's very big. Cleveland Clinic is it's much smaller. So in, in Dallas, I was, I was a lot of times not on your own. You always have good supervision of your attending providers above you, but, but you really are able to gain the confidence um, to use your, you know, use your skills, use your hands without fear, but then going to a specialty, I think is really important. And Cleveland Clinic is a smaller, a smaller program. You know, there's three of us that did it, went through it together. And you're really able to hone those skills. You're able to get the, the expertise of those providers. And I think it was crucial to be able to do that. And then at Cleveland Clinic, obviously, it's a great medical um, community there. Uh, you have access to different professional teams, college teams, high school teams. Did you work with some of the pro sports teams? Uh, I did, yep. So obviously the, the more uh, high level you get, the more uh, hands-off you get to right. some degree. For sure. Uh, you know, but yeah, I was able to work with the Cleveland Indians. We, we went to their spring training, did a lot of their physicals, did a lot of the kind of um, workups for, for our providers. And then we worked also uh, with the Cavaliers. Unfortunately, this is the Cavaliers post-LeBron era. So, um, post burning New Jersey a second time, yeah, well, maybe not. They yeah, they didn't. went to a team that you're familiar with, you know, it was when he went to the Lakers, That's right. so, they yeah. took him away. Yep, so, so yeah, so we got to work with them, and it's really interesting. I think at the professional level, you know, you see, you see how many more actors are at play with the, the, the GMs, the coaches, the, the players themselves, the families. I mean, there's just a whole other layer, layer sure. of, of, um, the complexity, complexity has just increased, right? Yeah. And so um, I think that sometimes, you know, you don't have to be the primary person delivering the care, but to see the big picture yeah. um, can help you incorporate that in your own practice, especially, yeah. I mean, let's be honest, high school and college are not as stressful as the pros, but there are still, you know, sure. some stressors. You still have to involve the trainer in discussions. Yeah. Um, uh, the physical therapist uh, come up with the kind of an inclusive treatment plan. And so... Yeah. I'm guessing having top-notch training helped carry over to your practice in Des Moines. Yeah, and I think that, you know, yeah, we covered the pros in Cleveland, but we also, I had my own uh, D1 college. It's Cleveland State. They don't have a football team. That's kind of a running joke. But, and then we had our own high school. So, yeah, you get to you, you learn how it's done by, you know, the best of the best in the pros, but then you get to kind of apply that yourselves. You know, high school is completely different. Yeah, they're not, they're not getting paid to do it, but they're also – their time is limited for a lot of these these kids. You know, senior year hits, and that's the end of their career. And so you, you don't want to you don't want to squander their their fun years. I mean, I look back at my high school years, and it's some of my fondest memories. And so you still want to be careful. They have different pressures. It may not be financial pressures, but uh, it's definitely you don't want to waste their yeah. time. I thought for a second we were going to go Uncle Rico style, Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, you can no. start telling me about your football career and no, how never, far you can throw it. I was never good enough but, for that. Uh, I, I doubt that. <laughs> um, so let's get into um, an exciting field, which I think is evolving. But yeah. 
when you hear the term, you know, orthobiologics, regenerative medicine, stem cells, PRP, like, first of all, which one of those terms do you prefer to, to incorporate all these uh, non-operative treatment yeah. modalities into? My preferred term is orthobiologics. And, and the, the reason for that is, is it's such a diverse, such a broad field. But in general, the, the, if you distill it down, it really isn't an orthopedic you know, we're treating orthopedic issues and they're used biological tissues typically. So um, people will call them stem cells. People will call them regenerative medicine. I think the issue with those to some degree, you know, depending on what you're treating, you're not always really targeting regenerative. Uh, you're not really hoping for regeneration of any tissues because that's not been shown to happen. Stem cell also, you know, when this first came out and was first explored, there was thought that the stem cell was the major portion of this product that really helped. But as we kind of get to know more and more about it, which is coming out, you know, daily, weekly, uh, you start to realize there's probably more to it than just the stem cell aspect yeah. of it. Let, let's talk a little bit about, so everyone's probably heard the term PRP. Yeah. And a lot of people come to clinic and say, you know, I want PRP for whatever my ailment is. Sure. Tell, the, tell our audience, what is PRP and maybe what is the role in your practice for using it? So PRP stands for platelet-rich plasma. The way that I describe it in kind of the simplest terms, it's the part of your blood that helps with healing. Um, so when you bruise, you know, that's bleeding into the tissue. It's the platelets in the plasma or the PRP part of the blood that really helps that tissue heal. It tells the body, hey, come here, take care of this, but it also has some of the healing factors. And so that's the simplest way to think of it. Um, it's not a magic wand. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not something out of this world, but it really does have a concentrated amount of the stuff that really helps the body heal anyway. And we just isolate it uh, using a centrifuge from your own blood, spin it down into a, a much higher concentration that is circulating in the blood, and then put it into place, uh, typically with ultrasound to get it right where it needs to be to really help kind of tell the body, hey, come here, you didn't, fin you had some unfinished business and then also have some of the jump starters to help out. So kind of an augment, uh, you know, s something's uh, smoldering along or an acute injury that's really problematic. You kind of yeah. look at it as an augment to try and get them over the hump, maybe potentially sooner or at least get them back to being active where they wanted to be. Yeah, and that's the way I like to look at it. Um, so it's as simple as a blood draw, is that what you're for the most part, yeah. So we, we, we obviously don't want you to feel rushed. We take our time. Um, it, it, it will go through, answer all your questions. We then do a blood draw, and then you put it in a specialized centrifuge uh, that you can tweak the, the controls to kind of try to get uh, the cocktail you want. So one thing that has changed now compared to 10 years ago is, is realizing that sometimes you want some cells in certain places and not others. And the centrifuge You're allows you to help white that. blood cells in that regard? Yeah. Kind so, of the inflammatory cells? Yep. So some people will call it leukocyte-rich or leukocyte-poor. Yeah. And those are things that, you know, I don't necessarily tell patients to worry too much about. We'll take care of that, base it on the research that's out there. But but the centrifuge allows you to kind of tweak this the protocol to get that. Can you tell me an instance where you, you might want leukocyte-rich or leukocyte-poor yeah. in your practice? So leukocyte-rich, again, is the white blood cells. It's kind of the inflammatory aspect of the blood. And so if you get an infection, it's the part that helps fight the infection. If you have a tendon, for instance, like jumper's knee, uh, tennis elbow, golfer's elbow, you know, there's really an aspect that if you give it enough time, in a lot of instances, it may heal without doing anything. But that can be 12, 16, 18 months. And so you're really trying to jumpstart the healing process. And so in those sorts of situations, when you're you're trying to jumpstart the the, the the healing process, the, but the body's fully capable of cause of healing, then you want to put the leukocyte rich uh, leukocytes in there. Okay. 
Um, and then, you know, it, I've always thought of it as, like you said, Lucas at Rich for tendon issues. Yeah. Um, and then maybe in, injecting in a joint, think about Lucas at Poor. Do you feel the same way or has that changed at all? Uh, that stayed pretty constant. Okay. I think, uh, so the, the idea of Lucas at Poor, again, and this kind of goes back to what I said earlier, is with, especially with cartilage loss, uh, you can think of cartilage is kind of like a road. If the whole road road is in need of repair, it doesn't matter what you put in there. You know, it's it's just not enough. There have been some case studies that if there's a small uh, small little chondral defect, you know, it may be able to put something like cartilage in there to help it. But for the most part, we're not really trying to promote the body to to create an inflammatory response and to heal for cartilage and, and arthritis type things. We're really just trying to calm down the environment and make it feel better. And so you take the leukocytes out because you don't want to cause an inflammation or inflammatory response there. Okay. Now, uh, a lot of people come in and they say, I want this PRP thing. And then uh, a couple sentences later, they say that, you know, they want stem cells as well. So sure. it, I think we both probably spent a lot of time debunking, yeah. you know, what it means to have stem cells injected. Mm-hmm. What really are you getting? Um, so, um, now that we know kind of what PRP is, tell us, you know, what are the available sources in our body that we can find some stem cells and, sure. and maybe, you know, how to harvest and what kind of role they have? Yeah, so I think the most conventional kind of setup with uh, stem cells, quote unquote, in, in the United States is really coming from three main sources in your own body. Uh, PRP is the most common and the probably most well-researched, and that's just because it's been around the longest. Um, that's the first place that, you know, easy, easier to get to, does work pretty well, but you kind of think of, well, where does PRP come from or where does the blood product come from? And that's really bone marrow. And so the next kind of stronger, higher concentration of, of those cells that you're looking for would be in the bone marrow. Uh, we call it bone marrow aspirate concentrate is the way that we obtain it. it. It's a little more involved. It's done on site. You know, we're trained in doing these with uh, x-ray guidance. And so you basically obtain the, the bone marrow most commonly from the pelvis uh, because that seems to have the highest concentration and is in, in the grand scheme of things is a, is a very safe uh, procedure. Fairly comfortable for the patient. Um, yeah, so we obviously use numbing medicine for that. Um, you will feel kind of an ache. When we get into the bone marrow, there's kind of a weird um, popping sensation, if lack of a better term. A pressure almost. Yeah, or... like a pressure wave. Um, but it, it still is tolerated very well. Uh, and and the, thought, the thought there is that this is where PRP, or basically where the blood product comes from, it's in a much higher concentration. And so let's go to the source. So a little more involved in harvesting. Yeah. But potentially a little more yield in terms of getting the mesenchymal stem cells or yep. the MSCs, as yep. people would call it. Yep. Um, so most people think, I have arthritis, I have some joint space narrowing. I want stem cells to go in and give me a new joint surface. Sure. Um, and when they feel better from an injection, they attribute that to it healed my arthritis. Yeah. Tell, tell our audience a little bit about what the, what the mesenchymal stem cells or the BMAC is actually doing, um, as opposed to healing things, um, how is it making their pain go away? Um, and maybe not necessarily healing the problem, but making them asymptomatic. So I think sometime, you know, and, and if anyone wants to talk about this, you know, we, we talk about this at depth and try to tailor kind of the discussion to the patient, but, but in the grand, you know, the, the big idea of this and the thing that I always try to reiterate to the patients is really try to focus on the important things, the pain and the function. So um, is this going to decrease your pain? Is it going to increase your function? Because ultimately that's what everybody wants. 
Um, again, and we'll, we'll talk about kind of the idea that you're not going to reverse the, the situation. The idea and the thing, the way that I think of it is that the, this, the orthobiologics, yeah, they decrease the inflammation by improving the environment in the knee and the, in the shoulder, wherever you're doing it. But they also do bind to the pain receptors and, and deactivate them uh, and in a way that will improve your pain, um, decrease it. In, in most cases, obviously, not everyone's 100%. I wish I could be, I have a crystal ball and yeah. predict that. But what, Someone with mild to moderate arthritis in their knee, yeah. let's say you're doing a BMAC or even a PRP injection, what, what's your best guess as to how, how long it could help them and what you've seen anecdotally in your own practice? Yeah, so there's, there's a good, uh, good study that came out. I, I like to base as much of my information I provide patients on studies. There's a good uh, randomized study that, that showed that the average, in mild to moderate, the average steroid shots lasting, you know, a top six months, and then you start to lose the effect. Same as hyaluronic acid. And the study showed that the curves for those two and then the PRP or the orthobiologics met around 18 months. So uh, I always tell people that's probably the best case scenario. Um, everyone, it is a bell curve, so some people exceed those expectations, but that's what I try to tell people, expect 12 months 16 months, 18 months with mild to moderate. Are you limiting them after an injection? Um, are there, if you're injecting into a tendon, are you shutting things down for a little while and rehabilitating them through physical therapy? Yeah, we have a, we have a specific protocol for kind of every ail, not every ailment, but you know, tendon issues, we treat those differently than we do for arthritic issues. Arthritis is, is typically the response is quicker and the return to activity is quicker. For, for tendon issues, I have a specific recovery process. Typically, you think of uh, two to three weeks where you're really focusing on recovering before you start ramping things back up. There are exceptions, and I always tailor that and adjust it to the patient and their and what they need to kind of have accomplished with work so and such. each person gets kind of their own patient-specific yeah. uh, treatment algorithm? Yeah, okay. and, and it doesn't stray super far from kind of a general one that I've set up. But for every joint, for every tendon issue, we definitely kind of tweak it. So when you have a visit and you indicate someone for PRP or BMAC, are they typically then rescheduling for the procedure at some point later down the line? Yeah, a lot of times they have a lot of questions and I want to make sure they have time to have those answered. Yeah. But then the other thing is we like to optimize them. And so one, one common issue is that anti-inflammatories like meloxicam, Aleve, ibuprofen, those can actually decrease the effectiveness of the, of the, of the orthobiologics. And so I like to get them off of those for at least two weeks. Okay. Most people that are coming in are having pain and they're using those. And, I, and I, it's always kind of like, well, we should stop that anyway for a couple of weeks because they do affect platelets. Okay. Now, Something that seems to be coming on momentum-wise um, is adipose drive. Yeah. Um, stem cell-like cells. Yep. Um, what, what's your experience with that in the literature? Do you think that this is here to stay? You think it? You know, some propose that there's actually more potent healing from adipose, yeah. and then there's the camp with the BMAC. You know, and there's a little bit of an ongoing debate as to what's better, and maybe both are you know potentially beneficial. I think it'll be really interesting in the upcoming couple of years. There's been some new studies with the with the um, the fat derived cells. So the idea behind fat derived cells is that the fat adipose has a lot of uh, capillaries in it, which have something called pericytes, which are regenerative type uh, cells that help the capillaries heal and grow when they get damaged. And so you're really trying to harvest those out of the fat. Um, there's been some newer studies recently that have been promising 
it's one of the newer uh, options out there that is obtained from your own your own body and so we don't know all the answers but I do think that it will continue to gain traction um, we'll have to see exactly when it'll be most applicable the biggest concern with it in the last couple of years was if FDA would would change any regulations on it. It doesn't appear that that's going to be happening. And so that's been a If hesitation. you're manipulating the tissue and yeah. to what degree you are. Okay. Yeah. So that was a big, I think that caused people to pause for a second. Um, yeah. Not that it was dangerous to use, but that it didn't fit a legal, basically a legalistic term. The last one of these modalities I want to hit on real quick is, and I don't have much experience, but amniotic derived products sure. that are allograft, meaning they're not your own tissue. At DMOS to this point, I think we've elected to kind of stick with autographed options, but yep. um, they keep, you know, there's uh, a lot of companies sure. uh, coming out with this product. And um, are you aware of any efficacy in regards to that? Or do you utilize it in your own practice? Great. That's a great question. So it seems like every month I'm being approached by a new product um, to see if they, if we want to add it to our repertoire here. Uh, the, the biggest, I tell people they're, they're kind of fall under almost like fetal product because usually it's umbilical or it's amniotic or it's placental or it has something to do with the, the birthing process. And um, the reason, the biggest reason that I've been hesitant is because the clinical trials basically any sort of evidence or research done after uh, it leaves the lab and goes into a human is very, very minimal. And there have been infection risks because it, and reaction risks because it's not your own tissue. Um, so while it's interesting, a lot of the research is basically just based on if we look at this under a microscope, what does it do? What, and then they try to extrapolate that into humans. And until I get more human um, studies, you know, I, I would be hesitant, and I, and I always tell patients, you know, you're welcome to look elsewhere, but I would just keep in mind that there's a reason that this isn't widespread yet. So a little bit early on that product and maybe so. more to come. Yep. Um, do you see this field continue to explode? Over the last five years, at least for me, it's gone from, you know, zero to 100. I mean, yep. is, is, this, is this here to stay? And do you think that it's gonna, we're going to continue to understand where it works best over time? I think orthobiologics in general is here to stay. I think it's, it's rapidly evolving. And, and when it first came out, it was more of a, well, this is great, so let's put it everywhere. And as we get more and more products, we start to realize that there are certain things that work for certain treatments and certain conditions. And so I think it's going to become much more evolved, much more of a full-time job to keep track of it all. And I, and I view myself as kind of responsible for that uh, to some degree to keep track of everything that's happening. But it is very exciting. I think that it's going to continue to change how we treat people conservatively. And I'm excited to see, you know, if it was up to me, we, we would be 10 years down the road already. But, but it's exciting to see everything that's happening. Well, it's pretty clear that you put a lot of thought into this and that your treatment algorithm and your decision making is based on evidence-based medicine. And to some extent, understanding and extrapolating the things that you read into injuries that you're seeing that may not be necessarily very common, but something yeah. that this modality may work for. Um, we kind of identified this as a need three to four years ago, and then specifically recruited you along the way to, to become the head of, the, you know, not only your specialty in sports medicine, but also in orthobiologics. And I think that uh, to this point, you've done a tremendous job and we look forward to you kind of expanding that role. Oh, group. shucks. Thanks. So, no, I'm serious. We really appreciate you having you and your expertise. So, yeah, it's fun to be here. I, I really am happy to be back in Iowa and it's, it's uh, a great, 
great company, great group to work with. I think we have more to talk about on part two of Orthobiologics, but we'll wait for that yeah. uh, and uh, we'll go from here. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Joint Effort, a podcast from Des Moines Orthopedic Surgeons. If you have questions about this podcast and wish to schedule an appointment with the surgeon, call 515-224-1414 or visit dmos.com. Thank you.